plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. Once again, we're joined by the, my frenemy, Landon McCool. Are we, is that okay? Is frenemy okay? I mean, <laughs> we're, not, we're not that close to enemies. We just, you know, debate and argue Yeah, a lot, so we're going like to use old, frenemy. Old it's perfect. Uh, yeah, that's fine. As always, you can follow him on Twitter, at McCoolBTB. Uh, today, we're going to preview the Cowboys Fourth preseason game. Man, this Hall of Fame game is screwing me up. But fourth preseason right. game, this is going to be their dress rehearsal game. Uh, you're likely to see these starters probably a half. I don't expect them to play in the third quarter, but at least a half. Uh, so today, Leda and I are going to tell you guys three of our or three things to look forward to, three players to watch. We're going to alternate. Um, Leda, I'm going to let you go first. Who is the one player you are the most excited to watch? Well, I think the the one guy that I'm I'm probably the most excited to watch is uh, Malik Collins, mm. um, because I, I mean we we've gotten you know all throughout the the preseason and the training camp we've <laughs> there's been a, there's been a faction of 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 Cowboys fandom that has done a, a, quite a job of fat shaming uh, poor poor Demarcus Lawrence. I don't know what and, you're talking you know, about. I, yeah, again, again, I, I'm speaking generally, but I may be speaking specifically about you. Um, I just, I, there's, you know, he's had a rough go of it. There's no doubt. Like he's had these back-to-back seasons with back surgeries, um, and and I think obviously it's affected his ability to stay in tip-top shape at times. Um, and as as we've seen in 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 pictures and in uh, other. Uh, you know, signs that he may not have been the best shape. But I think what's what, what we're seeing now is that he's starting to really come around into into playing shape. And this last week, we've gotten really, really great reviews, and we've seen really, really great stuff with him on one on ones. So I, I'm excited. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see uh, Marcus Lawrence come in. But but I think really the guy that uh, that is going to make this defense go is Malik Collins, and 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 what he's going to do. Uh, this weekend, in, in, in I guess this interior offensive line of Oakland uh, is going to be a great litmus test for for where he is because he is really going to be the the engine that drives this pass rush uh, as it as it has been for a long time in the Marinelli defense. Yeah. So just a little note on Malik Collins. Um, first of all, he just turned twenty two years old. So he, I mean, he's one of the youngest defensive linemen on the entire team, which I find fascinating. But. Uh, I was always impressed with his rookie season considering I think he missed the entire training camp. And I, I don't remember if he played in the final preseason game or not, but he basically missed the entire offseason, came right in and had five sacks as a rookie. And if you're looking at all the defensive or all the defensive tackles that have been drafted and, and have produced at least five sacks in the rookie season, the list is only like four guys, Warren Sapp, uh, Dan Wilkerson and a couple other guys. So 
I mean, it's clear that Collins has a ton of potential. And I think you're right that I, I think the defensive line is going to go with however well Collins plays. I'm excited to see him as well. Um, I'm going to touch on another guy real quick. Jalen Smith. Um, what I'm huh. yeah. What, what I'm actually excited to see is how many snaps that they give him. Uh, mm-hmm. Do they stick with that 10 to 12 or are they more inclined to give him, you know, 20, 25 snaps? Because if they give him that many snaps, my guess is going to be that when it comes to the season or early on in the season, there's not going to be a snap restriction on him. I'm just kind of curious to see how many snaps to give him, how many he can handle and how he can perform with those snaps. Yeah. And I think for me with Jalen, you know, the thing that, I'm interested to see is is not just the number of snaps, but but where, like what packages is he being deployed in? Um, because I do, I, I you know you don't you don't know how much substitution they're going to be doing, but let's say that they're in, you know, they're in the, their first defense, but they they decide to put out their deacon defense. Is he going out with the first deacon defense, mm. or is he coming in? Is he going out with the the second group? Is he going out with the first team as the middle linebacker, but also? going in the second group like how is that being uh, how is he being deployed in with which which units i think that's interesting too because then you kind of might get an idea of maybe how they're trying to find a way to work him in and maybe you know i think it'll show you something if he's not the starting middle linebacker if they start hitchens but then he is the starting linebacker for the deacon defense or that deacon dime defense Mm -hmm. they run then that may be that role, the role that they're looking to get him in. Otherwise, and that's just kind of an example of maybe how is he being deployed in each one of these packages in which unit, and that might give us an idea of what their thought process is for how what his role will be during the season. I don't think there's any reason Sean Lee needs to play in this game. Do you? I mean, I look. I know a lot of people want to go. I think it's important that these guys play. And okay. I, I know. I know that a lot of people don't. And I think well, we got to protect them and say, I think what you end up doing by doing that is you end up hurting these guys because I'm really of the, of the belief that I'm really of the belief that, you know, especially with the soft tissue situation of these guys, that if they, they go push hard, 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 and then take all this time off where they're not pushing hard. If they, if, if they need these intervals of, really really pushing themselves in order to kind of continue to stay in ready to be in that shape because otherwise if they kind of you know completely lean all the way off and then suddenly they get you know just shocked back into <laughs> what they have to do you know what their body demands of them in an NFL football game week 1 i think that's when they'll end up getting hurt so i do think that they need to see at least some of these guys out there for a half and then if you're going to have those guys out, you might as well have the rest of them. But but just to be clear, I think linebacker specifically, is, is, and especially for a guy that has a history of lower body injuries, I think it probably would do him more harm to continue to sit him out and not give him an opportunity to kind of test his legs at you know clo- closer to pro speed uh, than good if you sat him out. Right, and I just think – I'm just on the opposite side of that. I don't need to see Sean Lee in collisions and meaningless games. I, I just want to see him healthy for the season, but I understand both sides of it. Uh, the reason I ask is because I would like to see Jalen Smith play a little bit of Will Linebacker, not because I think he's going to beat out Sean Lee or anything like that, but I just want to see maybe that's a better fit for him long term. So 
I, I doubt we'll see that. I'm sure we'll see him just in the middle. But all eyes are going to be on Jalen Smith. I'm curious to see how he plays. Landon, why don't you give us another one? Okay, well, uh, my next guy is actually Collins's, Malik Collins' uh, um, running mate, and that's Stephen Paya. I, I, I mean, again, I, I think against this interior uh, three of, of Oakland with uh, Kalichi Osimile, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson, it's just such a great opportunity to get another – uh, great test for these guys, and 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 the more the further along we get, and the fur- the more we hear um, about Collins and 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 Paya is the more that they are kind of showing out in practice and 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 winning these reps against guys like Frederick and 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 uh, Martin, who you know don't lose a lot of reps and and don't even usually lose reps to people in games either. So uh, you know, I I think the opportunity to have a, a really good group inside could really really transform this defense in a way that is would that may shock some people coming into the season uh and and really the only way to kind of get an idea if that's uh, a reality uh or just kind of a figment is 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 to see how they perform against uh, top tier competition they they do it every day in practice they seem to show us things in practice uh, a lot Let's see what they do against a, an Oakland Raiders interior three like those guys. Now, can you compare and contrast Paya and Terrell McLean from last year, the team starting one technique, just for the audience, just in case they don't know the difference between those two players? Well, McLean, to me, um, was more of an inside, not not inside-outside guy, I guess, but but more of a, a three-slash-one, mm-hmm. if you would. Like a guy who could give you some good one-technique uh, snaps, but also could give you some good three technique snaps. I think that I think that he uh, his game is probably still built more on um, quickness and speed um, and initial explosion uh, than than Paya's was. The Paya, where where he is is really really valuable, especially in this defense. Is I mean, if you need him to just take up sp- space and be a plugger in the run game and just kind of destroy a, a blocking scheme, a, r- a run blocking scheme. He could definitely do that. But also what he can do is that he has, he also has kind of not, not maybe not McLean level, but, but he has very good initial quickness for a guy who is as ridiculously strong as he is. And I think, you know, I mean, normally we don't, you know, the bench press stuff is, it's normally about, you know, how much time you spend in the weight room. And, you know, just because you do the most bench reps doesn't mean that you are necessarily the strongest guy in the sure. NFL or anything like that. But, I mean, clearly Stephen Pay is very, 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 very strong. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I mean, it doesn't mean that you're weak. That's for sure. Um, and, you know, he did 49 reps, if I remember correctly. Which is insane. Abso- absolutely insane. So once a guy who can get off the ball like that is is moving, he's very, very difficult to stop. And so I think – what ends up happening is that he he may not get sacks like McLean had the potential to, or you know get in the backfield to disrupt the way that McLean would. But he actually may provide something that this defense needs even more than that because they have penetrators who can disrupt. They have David Irving. They've got Collins. Those guys can do that. What Paya can do is he actually can push the pocket. He actually can move the centers and guards that are double teaming him back into the quarterback and that is makes it extremely difficult for almost any quarterback no matter what their physical prowess is assuming they're both healthy would you rather have mclean or paya i'm just kind of curious 
I, I think they're different. I mean, I, I, I think they're different guys. You know, right. I think it depends on, I think it depends on what you have around you, you uh, a little bit more. I'm a huge Terrell McLean fan. I think if Terrell McLean can, um, could, could stay healthy, that he'd be an incredible like third down one technique. Mm-hmm. But but I think that at, as the situation stands where it where it is, like I think this team needs. To me, Paya has the potential to be a guy who's a, a a difference maker at one technique, which is a very difficult phrase for me to get out of my mouth, frankly. Um, but I think that what he does, he does that job so well that I think it's really going to open things up for all the other people around him. Uh, so I, I think McLean, to answer your question, is McLean is the guy that makes the plays, and Pai is the guy that makes the plays so that everyone else can make actually make the play. Right. McLean was one of the guys I was really hoping the Cowboys would bring back. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I hate that we're going to have to play him twice a year. I mean, but Well, I, mean, I, I can remember hopping on your podcast last year, and halfway through the season, I think we both agreed that he was probably their best defensive player. I mean, he, yeah. he probably was their defensive MVP because he was just so dominant as a one technique, and you just don't see that very often in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, he was getting, he was making a lot of plays from the three too. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I think that again, like that's where his real value was is that you know he 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 could play anywhere from the from either three and in, anything in between, and uh, and and I think you know Paya is probably more straightforward a a a, a one tech but i think his skill set there is definitely more rounded than McLean's is right let's pause so i can tell you about our friends at Sesney buying and selling a home can be stressful that is until you meet the Sesney Premier Realty Group the professional and experienced real estate agents of the Sesney Premier Realty Group provide service that is second to none Focused on building personal relationships with their clients, Sesney Premier Realty Group Realtors seek to understand their clients' needs and wants to ensure those needs and wants are met every time and will strive to provide a hassle-free buying, buying and selling experience as they assist their clients with all their real estate needs. No matter the situation, they're here to help. If you or someone you know is buying, selling, or relocating, if you are struggling with the possibility of a short sale or foreclosure, the Sesney Premier Realty Group knows that you deserve the best and will make sure that you get the best. If you currently need or think you will have real estate needs in the future, contact the Sesney Premier Realty Group directly at 469-672-6987. That's 469-672-6987. You can also visit their website at yourdfwhomesolution.com. All right, let's stay in the trenches. This is such a nerdy podcast because we love talking about offensive and defensive linemen so much. <laughs> this is great. This is this is why this is the best podcast out there because we're 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 willing to talk about these guys. But yeah, um, I'm looking forward to watching Lyle Collins because I believe that yeah. Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin are two of the better uh, combinations of pass rushers in the league. I believe Mack might be the best pass rusher in the league altogether. I'm interested to see how Collins deals with that speed and power. If he can hold up reasonably well against Mack, and I'm not expecting him to pitch a shutout or anything. I expect Mack to you know, get pressure on the quarterback, and he may even record a sack in the first half. He's that good. But I'm just interested to see how Collins plays because he's going to get tested early and often this season, and he's going to see Mack again later in the season. So 
I'm just kind of curious to see what he looks like now compared to what he looks like at the end of the season. We're going to see that growth in him, hopefully. Um, I, I'm a little worried about his lack of length. I think you can see that at times. There's times where uh, even some of the Colt defenders got under up underneath him a little bit. And we're able to jack him back a little bit. But I'm interested just to see how Collins is progressing at right tackle. Do you have any thoughts on Lyle Collins? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that this is – you couldn't have asked for a better preseason test. I mean, nope, for a all. guy that's 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 going into a right tackle uh, spot that um, he you know he's going to face a gauntlet of left ends this year. I mean, we 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 talked about it. Uh, it's it's an, if you look at the list, it's the best of the best, and 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 a lot of them. Um, and I'm not even talking about the best of the best left, left defensive ends. Some of the best pass rushers in the NFL are left defensive ends now, mm-hmm. and and um, so I think this is going to be a great litmus test to see exactly where uh, Leo Collins is and and exactly how far he has progressed because you know he's going to I mean it, it's not he doesn't get that he doesn't get any buffer you know like there isn't there isn't a uh, he's not playing a, a team week one or week two that have you know no you know some nobody face going up against him he he's um, automatically the first week he's going against new york and the next week he's going against denver you know it's like those are two teams that have incredible defensive ends so and then he gets the cardinals know. and i think he gets the Rams. so he'll see chandler jones and robert quinn and it, it's going to be a rough yeah, for him it's it doesn't get any easier so he needs to have this kind of test early to, to you know in the preseason where it's at least. I mean, I don't know if it's safe because I mean, if, he, if Dak gets murdered, then our season's over. But I mean, it's safer because it doesn't mean anything. So I think it's just going to be an opportunity for him to, to, uh, to you know, kind of clean things up. One last look against a guy who is way better than anybody you've seen so far in the preseason. So, um, you know, here's your test, buddy. Like this is this. I mean, this is kind of you know, it's interesting because I, I, you think for these guys who've worked so hard, and someone like especially like Leo Collins, who worked so hard to make the switch to to tackle and put in all this work and technique work, you know, he can't simulate this. Like he he, this is his opportunity to see where he is. You know, and and I think this is this is going to be a great test for everybody to see. If his patience is, you know, because I I know he has the physical talent to do this. It's more about where his technique is and able to handle a guy like, uh, you know, Khalil Mack. Now imagine the confidence the entire organization is going to have if he has a shutout against Khalil Mack. I mean, just just picture that for a second. Think about if he has a fantastic performance. I mean, that could totally alter the way I think this offense is going to work. I think Collins is going to be fine at right tackle. I think he's going to be more than fine down the road. But if he can show right away that he can adequately protect on that right side and go up against some of those elite pass rushers and survive, I don't think I don't think you're going to see a drop-off on this offensive line at all. In fact, I think there's a really good chance they could actually improve. Uh, I know I know Doug Free does not get enough credit, but I think Collins has a potential to be quite a bit better in the run game right away. And that that alone could make this offensive line, you know, allow them to take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they, uh, you know, my, my thought process has, has been the same with this since, uh, you know, before the, the season started is that if, if they get this done and, and Collins, uh, you know, comes in and, and makes a, 
you know, I don't know what seamless looks like, but you know, if he starts out and he isn't just getting murdered out there from week one, I think everybody in this organization that has any hand in training the offensive line deserves a a, a big round of applause because I, I, it was not an easy task to to make the conversion from left guard to right tackle and and you know he's definitely not a hundred percent there yet, but I mean where he is at this point is 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 rather impressive and and again. He has physical. He has a lot of physicality, and he has a lot of physic, physical tools. But he has some limitations for a tackle that he's also having to work through. That, but that aren't you know insurmountable. It's just that he has to get used to playing with the, the skills, the, the tools that he has, right. and working with them, and then dominate that way. Right. All right, Landon, go ahead and give us your last one. Well, we're just—I mean, offensive and defensive linemen, like basically the whole time, right? So I, I'm finishing up with uh, Chaz Green because—I mean, I'm not Chaz Green, uh, Cooper, because uh, you know, obviously the uh, the battle between Cooper and, and Chaz Green for that left guard spot has been, um, you know, talked about a lot, and I understand for you know people people want Cooper to have that job. I think that people—I mean, we discussed it. People just don't seem to like green and, and that's, and I understand it because of the availability situation, but you know, you talk to people on the teams that Cooper's been on and I'm sure they'll tell you there's some sad stories about Cooper's availability, but um, you know, look, I I think it makes roster sense to have Cooper as your left guard, starting left guard, if it can work out that way and, uh, and having green as your swing tackle. And again, it's not really, I think at this point about who's better, I think it's about is the difference between how much better Green is than Cooper great enough to overcome his lack of availability and his uh, you know fit as the team swing tackle, which I think are two things that are you know clearly working against him. One of them, which is a positive trait, which is funny, but right. um, I, I think that if Cooper comes out. And continues to kind of have a, a, a as solid game as he, you know, had um, against Indianapolis, uh, and maybe takes another step down that down that road. I think the job will probably be his because it just makes too much roster sense. You 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 keep him as the left guard. You keep Green as your swing tackle. You probably keep Looney as your swing interior guide, and then and then you know, maybe one other guy and you roll. Right. So I have I have one quick note on both. Uh, Cooper and Chaz Green. We'll start with Green. He left Tuesday's practice with a cramp that I reported yesterday. Clarence Hill said it was cramps. That's totally different than a cramp. Just wanted to make sure everybody understands the difference. Cramp is, is typically when you need <laughs> IV. Just, just, just. Hey, I had so many people ask me what's going on with Chaz Green cramps. Just wanted to clear that up. The second <laughs> thing is, is it just me or does Jonathan Cooper look significantly smaller than the rest of the offensive linemen? I mean, I know he's shorter, but man, he looks small compared to those other guys next to him. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that uh, I think that when I see like uh, Burbank, mm. I, I mean, I think he's kind of on par with some of these other guard center only types, right? Like, I don't know. We don't have any. I mean, we the only true center we have is is Travis Frederick. Right. So we we're not used to seeing the kind of smaller center types that other teams have a lot of, I think. Right. So I, I think that's part of it. But yeah, I, I mean, I think Cooper is smaller, but again, he's one of the only, only like, you know, two or three other center guard types. 
I think everyone else is guard tackle types or former tackles who are now playing guard. Right. You know? All right, last one. And obviously the most important, Sam Irwin Hill. No, we're not going to talk about <laughs> it. We're going to talk about Dak Prescott. Um, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he was phenomenal uh-huh. against the Colts. Uh, I just wasn't sure how much to take away from that game because the Colts are so bad on defense. Uh, I'm curious to see how he plays against the Raiders, how, uh, how he looks after the team. I'm sure they're going to put some kind of game plan in. Uh, they're going to prepare for the Raiders. But I'm just kind of curious to see if he can keep up that accuracy and poise. And I'm sure he will because, I, you know what's funny is, last year during the season, I was, I don't want to say I was a Dak Prescott hater. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I okay, do. There you go. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, I really, this offseason, I went back and looked at him and studied him. And, man, every time you go back and watch him, you just get more and more impressed. And I uh, I asked our, our buddy Jeff Cavanaugh from 105.3, the fan, how does Dak look in practice compared to last year? And he said 600% better or something like that. And I think you can even see that in that first game against the Colts. I mean, total command of the offense, nearly pinpoint accuracy. Nothing bothered him. Nothing phased him. I'm just curious to see if that continues this week against the Raiders at home. I'm sure it will, but it's always nice to kind of confirm those things uh, once again. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and and I'll go even a step further in saying that you know the 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 I don't want to say the knock, but the book on on Dak was that you know he wasn't necessarily a great practice player, um, but I didn't witness that at all in, in training camp practices. I you're saying last year or I mean, this year? Looked, oh, I, I'm saying that was his that was his mo. I mean, yes, last year he was a basically. You know the rumor was that in general, in practice, even in season, he he was not a great practice player necessarily, and and I'm saying that you know having keep kept that in mind, and I've been I went to at least you know five or six training camp practices, and you know we've seen all these games. I I, I didn't see him have a single bad day. I mean you know like even just I mean he you know wasn't completing every single pass but I mean he was a couple of days he was <laughs> and like you know he, he I didn't it wasn't a I didn't see a day where it I was reminded of that narrative that narrative like uh, came up because uh, I remember going back through my pre-camp notes and seeing that that and, and we're being like oh yeah that was a thing but uh, but I, I'm here to say that like that didn't really exist at training camp at least from what I saw and I, and I talked to Jeff as well and Jeff saw the same thing and told me the same thing too, that the, the days that I may have missed that he was there, there wasn't, there wasn't the days that we saw last year where like he just, it, he didn't seem to be able to do anything right or either was trying too hard or, mm-hmm. or was, you know, testing things out too much and, and wasn't getting what he wanted out of it. But he looked, he, he, he practices a lot better now. And I think we may be seeing it. <laughs> We may be seeing a much better Dak than we were expecting. Which is incredible. Um, so, you know, anybody knows me, I'm on Twitter all the time tweeting out stuff. And I tend to be a little bit, I don't want to say negative. I want to say a little bit pessimis- no, no. pessimistic about things. No. But it's important to kind of keep some of this from perspective. When you're seeing, you know, the Jaguars and the Browns go through some of these quarterback controversies. And you know, you're, you're stressing. I mean, like I'm stressing about a Jordan Lewis hamstring injury and an Xavier Woods <laughs> hamstring injury. It's it, it, they're going to be OK because they have Dak Prescott. And that's and that's always a comforting thing. It, we're going to be able to watch Dak Prescott grow as a passer and as a quarterback this year. 
and we know that we'll be okay. So that's just kind of keep that thing that in mind when all this other news around the Cowboys is happening. So it, that's a lot coming for me. That's that's me being optimistic and hopeful and whatever. Yeah, all those, all things, those yeah. sentimental things. All right, that's it for today's show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit us up with a five star review. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBTB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. On Monday, we'll be reviewing the team's game against the Raiders Saturday night. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next Monday. Have a great weekend. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.